0: I'm James Brian Smith. Welcome to the Things Above podcast. You're listening to episode 57. The Things Above podcast is a podcast for what we call mind discipleship. It's a podcast that's designed to help you set your mind on things above which comes from Colossians 3 verse 2 set your minds on things above the apostle Paul says which means to set our minds on things that are good and beautiful and true things that are encouraging and uplifting and inspiring and so that's the aim is to offer some thought some idea some new narrative perhaps to set our minds on and to think about it in a way to help each of us live a more vibrant life as a Christ follower at least that's the hope. Well, today's thought from above is this include Jesus in all of your relationships. Human relationships can be really difficult. And of course, they can be and often are wonderful. I love being with my wife and my children, Jacob and Hope. I love being with my students, my faculty colleagues, my people at church who I love. We have lots of laughter and fun, and and relationships are incredible. But human relationships can also be challenging. When it comes to the people we love, there are many times we want them to be different than they are. We'd like them to maybe change something about themselves. There is a need at times to try to fix people. I'm sure I'm not alone in this. In every relationship we have with people, there are bound to be things that we would want them to change. Maybe we think they would do well to exercise more or eat less or change some behavior or stop some behavior or start some behavior. Many times we think to ourselves, I wish so-and-so would blank. And that's a normal part of relationships. We often mean well when we try to manage or control or advise or correct someone, especially those who are close to us. And quite often we'll use the following sentence in our relationships with other people. You need to blank. Now, even if we're well-meaning and even if we happen to be right, which we often think we are, this approach is actually rarely, if ever, helpful and is most often a surefire way to drive a wedge into that relationship. Jesus understands this phenomenon. After all, Jesus was the smartest person who ever lived. And in the Sermon on the Mount, which was Jesus' greatest teaching, given by the greatest teacher, Jesus actually addresses this issue directly. In Matthew 7, beginning in verse 1, Jesus gives us this warning. Therefore, I tell you, do not judge others that you may not be judged. Now, we may be thinking, well, hey, hey, Jim, I'm not talking about judging someone when I give them my really great advice, am I? Well, actually, yes. Anytime we offer advice or correction in whatever form, it is in fact a form of judgment, even if it's a softer kind. Think about a time someone began a sentence when they're speaking to you. I think you need to blank. Now, how does that make us feel? Well, for me, it never feels good, even if it's with good intentions, even if it might be true. What Jesus does is he offers us a better way to be helpful to other people. And the way is actually to include him. Now, that sounds pretty easy, pretty basic. How is this done? In The Divine Conspiracy, Dallas Willard writes this, Among those who live as Jesus' apprentices, there are no relationships that omit the presence and action of Jesus. We never go, quote, one-on-one. All relationships are mediated through him. So what Dallas is saying is that every relationship that we have is actually mediated through Jesus. How is that? Well, in all of our relationships, of course, Jesus, who is the creator and sustainer of all things, stands between us. And the way we include Jesus in that relationship is through prayer, through inviting Jesus to be a part of the relationship, which is really wise in every relationship, even if there's no need for any kind of judgment or correction or advice. Because Jesus is, in fact, already a part of these relationships, Dallas is saying. And in the relationships we have with those we love, Jesus is already there. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in his fantastic book, Life Together, gives an even more deeper kind of explanation of what's happening here that Dallas is talking about. Let me quote directly from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Jesus Christ stands between the lover and the others he loves. Because Christ stands between me and others, I dare not desire to direct fellowship with them, as only Christ can speak to me in such a way that I may be saved, so others too can only be saved by Christ himself. This means that I must release the other person from every attempt of mine to regulate, coerce, and dominate him with my love. Thus, this spiritual love will speak to Christ about a brother more than to a brother about Christ. It knows that the most direct way to love others is always through prayer to Christ, and that Love of others is wholly dependent upon the truth of Christ. Wow, there's a lot in that quote, so let me, as I often say, unpack it. You know, one of my favorite things to do. Bonhoeffer is saying that Jesus stands between us and the other person that we want to help. So, just as Jesus is the best person to help us, so also Jesus is the best person to help them. That's why, Bonhoeffer writes, I must release the other person from every attempt of mine to regulate, coerce, and dominate them with my love. Note that last part, even with my love, because we may have the very best intentions. We may be speaking out of love, but it's the wrong approach. Then Bonhoeffer counsels us to speak to Jesus about the person more than we speak to the person themselves. And of course, this is referring to praying. I love what he writes next. The most direct way to love others is always through prayer to Christ. Such a good insight. Okay, Jim, you may be saying, "Mm, this is pretty theoretical. Can you give us an example? Okay, well, the most common way this happens is between a parent and a child. And that's because parents want what is best for their children and they often feel uh, that they know what's best and they feel a strong need to correct them. That's why parents often begin sentences with, you need to blank. Let's say for the sake of the illustration that the advice the parent is offering is good and true. Of course, that's often not exactly the case because, well, as parents, we're all fallen finite creatures. But let's go with this for now. So let's say the parent doesn't like one of their child's friends and thinks that that friend is actually a bad friend and a bad influence. And we think that, the well, that child of our mine just needs to end that friendship. So the common way that we would deal with this is to say, hey, um, uh, honey, you need to end your friendship with, well, let's call him Joe. You need to end that friendship with Joe. That's That's the natural reaction that the parent might first have. But let's ask the question, how does the child hear that? Well, first of all, as a judgment, because they think, well, you know, I like Joe. Joe's my friend. And this parent just stepping right in and saying, you need to lose that friend. Therefore, you're wrong, honey, about this. So they will likely get defensive and protective and eventually argumentative. That's what happens. It usually escalates into an argument if the parent persists. But what Bonhoeffer and Dallas Willard are saying is, don't go that route. Instead, invite Jesus into the situation. Instead, begin by praying to Jesus for your child. Pray about the friendship. Turn the matter over to Jesus. Ask Jesus for wisdom, for ways to be of support and help. And by doing so, we take a very different posture. We take a different posture with our child, for example. Instead of saying, you should or you ought, we might approach our child with questions like, um, hey, how is your friendship with Joe going? Or how are you feeling about Joe as a friend? Is Joe a good friend to you? That sort of thing. And by asking, you're taking a completely different posture than telling. And... This, of course, must be done with gentleness, and obviously the only way to do it is with a certain measure of humility. In fact, by doing so, we are taking the posture of humility. We're in a sense saying, look, I don't know exactly what's best, and my job is not to fix this particular situation, but I'm on the side of my child, I love my child, and so I'm going to approach this a different way. And this is why Dallas also says, in Divine Conspiracy, page 237, instead of harassing those near us with judgments, we stand before them with our helpless requests, while simultaneously standing before the wise and mighty king with our requests for them. There's a lot of good stuff in that. See, instead of saying, well, here's my judgment, we stand in a, in a posture of helplessness and saying, look, I'm just going gonna, gonna to go before Jesus and I'm going to ask him for help for this person that I love. And, you know, this is actually true in all of our relationships, even in those relationships in which we don't directly want to offer counsel or we want, don't want to fix someone necessarily. It may be that someone has spurned us or neglected us or done something that may be hurtful to us. And while it may be good to ask the person directly about this, it's always wise to include Jesus. And that's really what I'm saying. In all of our relationships, include Jesus. There was an old TV show really popular back in the day called Father Knows Best. And it was a good old black-and-white TV show. And while our fathers may quite often know what's best or right, well, they're also human. So, in truth, really, Jesus is the only one who always knows best. And Jesus has resources far greater than we do. Jesus knows the situation better than we do. And Jesus knows the other person's heart in a deeper way than we ever can. And also, I've noticed this approach is so freeing. I know it, out of experience, because I've had to do it many, many times, certainly in parenting, but also in my friendships. And I know it's not easy, but I know it's by far the best way. I remember one time I was talking with my wife, Megan, about this, and we were you know, talking about things that we wanted for our kids. And finally, I just I said this to Megan. I just said, honey, I think we need to drop the sentence, you need to blank from our parental repertoire. And she agreed despite how hard it is, because we really want to fix those that we love. You see, Jesus said it best when he said, in that same section in the Sermon on the Mount, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That sentence, which we know as the golden rule, comes right in the middle of his teaching on judging others in Matthew 7. Jesus is saying, therefore, judge or correct or advise others only as you yourself would like to be judged or advised or corrected. It's just such incredible wisdom. In one of my favorite songs by my friend, the late Rich Mullins, called Brother's Keeper, Rich writes these words, My friends aren't the way I wish they were. They are just the way they are. But I will be my brother's keeper, not the one who judges him. I won't despise him for his weakness. I won't regard him for his strength. I won't take away his freedom. I will help him learn to stand. And I will, I will be my brother's keeper. I think Rich had it right, along with Dallas and Dietrich and, of course, Jesus, I might add. To be our brothers or sisters or children's keeper, the very best way is to stand with them and to pray with them and to pray for them. It's the very best thing we can do, and the very best way we can love others is simply to invite Jesus into the relationship. My friends ain't the way I wish they were They are just the way they are And I will be my brother's keeper Not the one who judges them. I won't despise and I hope you join me next week for episode 58. Until then, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at James Brian Smith. And you can learn more about this podcast at ApprenticeInstitute.org. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And you can also subscribe, which means you're going to get them automatically each week. My hope, as always, is that one day if you're asked, what's on your mind, your answer will be, things above.